This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of One Bills Live. Maddie Glab filling in for Chris Brown today alongside my buddy Steve Tasker as we're bringing you all the news and notes of what's coming out of One Bills Drive on Wednesday afternoon. Also across the NFL as the Bills gear up to face the Miami Dolphins. Their first Sunday game of the season, a 1 o'clock kick. The people who are working inside of the building, the players will tell you we are very, very excited for a Sunday 1 p.m kick and also away game that means a little bit more chillness to our week although we are on a short week uh, so at the same time right. it has been crazy to turn the page and get ready for week three the yeah. coaches what they have to go through on a short week they spend a lot of time in this building same as the players the the schedule is condensed usually monday tuesday is is a day to rehab is a day to watch film on the previous game tuesday is a player true off day and then Wednesday they kind of get into preparing for the team that they're going to face that week whether it's a Sunday or you know depending on the day that they're playing so yeah. uh, the Bills have a walkthrough practice today and then we'll have media availability on Thursday after practice and short practice on Friday and then they're heading to Miami on Saturday so that's kind of what the schedule looks like this week uh, Leslie Frazier just talked to the media Ken Dorsey is going to be speaking to the media later this afternoon we will have both on the show this afternoon so Leslie will be airing him around 1:30, and Ken Dorsey see around 2.30. We've also got Thurman Thomas on the show at 2 o'clock today. He's going to be in studio with us. And Steve, you're you're studying. You're, the studying right. has already commenced right. for week three. You've been watching games. I've been doing stats and, and yeah. trying to compile all the news and notes that I can for this one uh, because when you're Working for or playing on a team that is doing as good as the Buffalo Bills, just about everybody and their brother and sister is talking about them and also releasing some really cool stats that you can't find uh, normally on your own. <laughs> <laughs> right. We both get these packages from, you know, I get them from CBS still and stuff, emails, and they do this huge, they have this huge raft of researchers and they send us all this stuff that's it's really interesting about the, the league and about the game, where the players are, where the teams are. Uh, just a ton of interesting facts about it. you, you got to sift through all that stuff getting ready for it. But, man, oh, man, there's a game tomorrow night. Oh, my gosh. There's a game tomorrow night. What? And it, just like it took forever for the season to get here, and we're <laughs> like now all of a sudden you blink your eyes, it's week three, and we're headed to Miami. Um, I watched the Miami – and a Baltimore game, give like us, a lot give of people did. Give us a couple, did. couple thoughts of, of watching. Miami that one. is has an ability to snap off big plays. There's mm. no question about it. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek can really go, and Tua gets him there, and he can find he can he can put the ball in. Um, you got to make Tua hold onto the ball in the pocket uh, if you want to beat these guys. Because uh, if he lets it go, it's going right where he aims it. Um, he is an accurate quarterback, like we've heard, and and you know a lot of all the conversations been you know and. People roll their eyes at it. It's, it's not. It's not untrue. The guys. It's true, um, particularly on those short routes that they get rid of the ball. Now they're they're one of the few teams who is allowing more yards defensively than they're getting per play, offensively, but they're winning games and they've got a recipe that's really good. And I'll say that the difference, Maddie, for me watching this team from a year ago, is Jalen Waddle and Tyreek. Yeah, those two guys are difference makers. 
the stats that we've gotten from the NFL, I'm kind of going through. It's it's about 10 pages long every week, and, and they kind of identify some matchups, some storylines, um, some things that stick out. And, of course, there's so much about Tua, and especially the, the two weeks that he's had to start the 2022 season. And one thing <clears throat> they've really compared the Bills to the Dolphins with is Josh Allen – before and after Stefan Diggs, and then Tua before and after Tyreek Hill. And, of course, it's just a small sample size here in the first two weeks of the season, but Tua's numbers have gone up tremendously with Tyreek Hill on his side. And, of course, your offense um, gets a lot more multiple when you have a player like Tyreek Hill on your team, a player with the speed that Tyreek Hill has. Um, But the numbers for Tua have been crazy. And another thing that this matchup features, which is really cool, is the top three leading receivers in the NFL. Stephon Diggs, uh, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddell all rank top three in the receiving yards they've gotten. One thing that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell kind of rank above and beyond where Stephon Diggs ranks and something that the Buffalo Bills offense has been wanting to improve on this season is yards after catch. Tyreek Hill uh, is third in the NFL with 104 yards after catch. Jalen Waddell is second in the NFL with 116 yards after catch, and I believe Stephon Diggs has just over 50 yards after catch. I think the number is 57 there for him, so he kind of ranks um, in the middle of the pack there. Yeah, 57 tied for 18th in the NFL right now. So they've been able to have success on the deep ball. So has Josh Allen, but the difference maker for Tua and his wide receivers has been their yards after catch that they've been able that they've been able right. to dial up and get. Yeah, and it's interesting too, Tyreek, this game they had last week was unbelievable. You can can imagine they were down 35-14 as the fourth quarter turned over and they end up winning that game. Tyreek and Jalen Waddell are the first teammates in the Super Bowl era to reach 170 yards receiving and two two receiving TDs in the same game. Crazy numbers in that game. Crazy numbers in that game. They both snapped off huge numbers. Yeah, and and, um, so that'll give you an idea of the firepower the Miami offense has. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And, and also, in that same game, this is how crazy that game was. It was drunk. <laughs> Lamar Jackson the, NFL the first was player. was last week at 1 o'clock. Yeah. Lamar was the first player in NFL history to get a rushing touchdown and a touchdown pass, both of at least 75 yards in the same game. Jeez. He snapped off a third and two and went the ha- went, took it to the house. And then he had the long pass on the slant route to, to get him to 14-7 to seven earlier in the game. A touchdown pass of 75-plus yards and a, and a TD run of 75-plus yards. Yeah, that first player in NFL history to do that. That game was, was unbelievable. There's a ton of scoring, as you might imagine. I don't know what the over-under was, but it, was, it ended up being 42-35. No, 42-38 at the end. Um, I think it was – it was 21-7 at the half, 28-7 at the half. So there was a ton of touchdowns in both halves of that game. And you start to think about what this game is going to look like after the Bills have scored quite a few in the first two games, and so have the Dolphins, especially in last week's game against the Baltimore Ravens. And the Bills have had a really good showing against the Dolphins in the last seven seasons. They've won the last seven straight, and in those seven games, they're averaging 30 
36 points per game. They've scored over 30 points in all but one of those matchups. Uh, they've scored 56 in one. I remember that game. Uh, so fun to cover, so fun to be a part of. Um, Josh Allen has really had great numbers against the Dolphins in terms of passing touchdowns and passer rating. I believe he's had 25 total touchdowns in the eight games that he's played against the Dolphins. He's 7-1 and one in those eight games, um, has won seven straight, like I just said. Um, so when you start to put the pieces together um, with what the Dolphins have been doing on offense and you start to compare it to the Buffalo Bills defense, which has also uh, been limiting offenses in really great ways, ranking second in the NFL, allowing just eight and a half points for points per game, also second in the NFL, allowing an average of 215 total yards per game, uh, you think that this defense could really limit maybe Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, but you also remember the injuries that the Buffalo Bills right. are dealing with right now, really on their defensive side of things, and, and you start to wonder, okay, if, if guys aren't going to be available for Sunday, how is this going to impact what two is able to do? Um, is Tyreek going to have a day? How can they limit Jalen Waddle? Are we going to see Christian Benford and Kyir Elam on, on both sides starting at cornerback and being in there for, for most of the entirety of the game. We heard from Sean McDermott yesterday. He gave us a couple injury updates. Uh, he said Dane Jackson was able to get out of the hospital and has full movement in his extremities, uh, said that he had a conversation with Dane Jackson in the building yesterday. So that's good news, too, that Dane Jackson was at the facility yesterday, said that he, Sean, said that Dane Jackson was in good spirits, had a good conversation with him, also said that Micah Hyde went to the hospital as well to get checked out for that neck injury. Um, Matt Milano, who had that stinger, Jordan Phillips, who also came out of the game, uh, they are day-to-day, -day, according to Sean McDermott. And then you, of course, have... Gabe Davis, who did not play, Tim Settle did not play as well, and Ed Oliver uh, did not play in Monday night's game. He said those three are progressing and heading in the right direction. So that is a laundry list of players that are dealing with injuries right now. We hope to get a couple of those defensive players back, especially uh, if we want the defense to play at the level that they've, that they've been playing at. But when we saw guys go out and we saw backups come in, there really really wasn't a drop-off for this Leslie Frazier defense. And I think we can go back in the years under Leslie Frazier with the Buffalo Bills and have seen that there really has never been too much of a drop-off when right. starters have came out. They've, they've been really good, the Bills coaching staff Leslie, under Leslie Frazier, of being able to plug guys in and get good production out of them. They've never been a defense that has depended on one guy. Certainly they've had great secondary play because of the both safeties and both corners playing well, mm -hmm. or all three corners playing well. Taron Johnson has been a top um, nickel safety or nickel corner. Uh, of course, Tredavious White when he was in there, and, and Levi Wallace, a lot has been said about him. That The secondary has been great, but it's been – they have depended on their secondary, no question, but not one guy. Um, that's why when they get a, a guy who's out for a game, or even when Tredavious White went down last for the last and third Dane of the game. And Dane had to come in. Dane came in. They didn't have an enormous drop-off because they don't call their defenses or formulate their defensive game plan so that they're depending on a guy, is and if that, that guy's not there, of, they're crushed. Is that because of the zone coverage that they like to stay in versus man? I think it's because of the matchups they play. Okay. I, I don't know that it, they don't – they don't depend that, that much on zone. They do play more man than people give them credit mm -hmm. for. But 
they never play it in such a way that they, you know, this guy's got to hold up. Yeah. You know, they've got it. You know, now they'll give a guy a chance to hold up like that, but they won't depend on it the entire game. So they may go to it in an unexpected down where they say, "Oh man, if we'd have known, you know, we had this, we have Dane Jackson, you know, manned up on our guy. We we didn't know it was going to be there, right? So you can catch him off guard, have that hold up, and win in another area of your defense and get the play because they weren't ready for a guy, your guy to be their number one gun to be singled." Leslie, that's on Leslie Frazier being smart enough to pick his spots where the guy doesn't have to hold up for nine out of ten defensive plays, but he can do it. You can sneak one in there and win the play because they don't they aren't ready for it. Leslie Frazier has done an outstanding job of coordinating the defense, and I think the way they handle these injuries has been testament to that. Nobody is indispensable, but all of them get used to their fullest capacity when they're on the field. And I think that's, that's a, the brilliance of it, I think. Yeah, I think it was really incredible to watch the defensive line face the injuries that they faced before Monday night's game and, and during Monday night's game. And Derrick Henry only has 13 carries for 25 yards, averages under two yards a carry. Um, that's not possible unless you have a defensive coordinator um, who knows how to use every single person on his defense to his advantage and knows, like you said, not to put it on one guy all the time. It's going to be important to get that same pressure from the defensive line with or without some of the guys, big-name guys like Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips, uh, especially if you're going to have Christian Benford and Kyer Elam as your corners uh, starting it would be Kyer Elam's first start as right. an NFL rookie. Uh, Christian Benford has started the last two games at that corner spot opposite of Dane Jackson. Um, but you're going to need pressure from your front four to help out guys on the back end when you're dealing with stars like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And Sean McDermott pointed out in his press conference yesterday, you know, we've played against both of these receivers. We know both of these receivers. These receivers are not different to us. The difference is that they are going to be on the field at the same time now right yeah that's a big that's a big difference yeah and it, it's interesting because we you know Bills fans we've been watching this Miami Buffalo rivalry for a while the Bills have won 10 out of the last I don't know what is it 10 out of the last nine out of the last 10 they've won seven out of the Josh has won seven out of the last eight I mm -hmm. believe is what it is um he and he has famously played extremely well against the Dolphins uh, has Josh. I mean, go to the internet and look, look up the Dolphins' daddy, and that's who it is. I mean, <laughs> Josh has owned these guys. Even the game that he started that they didn't win, we talk about it all the time. The only time the Dolphins have beaten Josh is when Charles Clay dropped a pass in the end zone on the last play of the game. And he absolutely carried the entire team on his back that day. This is now he's facing a Dolphins team coming off an incredible game, uh, you know, that they just scorched a Baltimore team in the second half of that game to come back and get in it and win. They're full of uh, playmakers. And I just, uh, two is the, he leads the league in pass yardage. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's like one thing after another, uh, the way the Dolphins have been playing offense this year. So, it has the earmarks of a, you know, a shootout. I don't know if it's going to turn into that, but 
both these offenses come in with a lot of confidence. Let me ask you this. Since you've watched the Dolphins and Ravens game already, I'm going to watch that tomorrow um, as I continue, as we continue prep for this Sunday afternoon game. Is it more Mike McDaniel and how he's dialing up, executing, having a plan for this offense? Is it more Tua and what he's been able to do, or is it more of the fact that Tyreek Hill is on the field that is allowing the Dolphins to have this much success? Well, Tyreek is is a difference maker, Mm -hmm. no question. Um, There's no question. I mean, they're they're coming in here today. There's not that much different about their team than it was last year except Tyreek, in my opinion. They're they're coming off – let me just give you a synopsis. Two is coming off a six-pass TD performance against the Ravens. Four of them coming in the fourth quarter. Uh, He tied the Dolphins' record for passing TDs in Mm -hmm. a game, incidentally with Bob Greasy and Dan Marino. He leads the NFL in passing yards this season. He leads the NFL in passing yards on passes of 10-plus air yards. And he's tied for the NFL lead in completions, 18, and passing TDs, 5, on passes of 10-plus yards. So they're, they're killing people with the big play. He's won eight of his last nine starts. He's tied for second most wins by a quarterback since week 11 of last year. Um, only Mahomes and Brady have more. Uh, they are, and, you know, and they're not running it. They're not running the ball. They're 28th in the NFL in rush yards over the first couple of weeks. They are hitting people with the big play. And they are making hay with it. So say what you want. That's what you're going to get from the Dolphins. And you got to keep a lid on them. Uh, Tua is airing it out when they need to air it out. The Bills' defense last year has had one of the best uh, deep passing defenses in the NFL. Uh, So Next Gen Stats has the stat out. Next Gen Stats started uh, recording things since 2016. So the Bills set a Next Gen Stats era single-season record by allowing a 36.2 passer rating on passes of 10 or more yards. Uh, That was last season. So their numbers against the deep pass on, on passes of 10 to 20 yards, deep passes are 20 or more yards, but um, passes of 10 or more yards last season, they had really good numbers. They limited teams, um, the passer rating allowed, the forced interceptions all rank near the top three of the NFL. So That's this right. is a defense that has been really good at, at breaking down the deep ball and really limiting teams to have success in the air uh, when you do decide to go deep uh, because of the fact that you have Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, maybe Jaquan Johnson this week if Micah Hyde is out. This team is very, very confident in what Jaquan Johnson can do, especially since he had so much time in the offseason acting as a starter since Jordan Poyer really wasn't around for OTAs, also um, got a lot of time in in preseason games and things like that. Um, But Another reason why the secondary has been so successful um, is because the Bills have been able to, in this season I'm looking at, generate pressure with their front four, not necessarily having to send a blitzer all the time. That allows every single guy to be covered, and you don't have somebody roaming free who's easy to hit. That's right, and uh, the Bills' defense is, is much different than it was a year ago, and I gave you all those stats about Tua and how hot they are to start the season and how the, the big play has been their engine. Let me just give you something about our boy Joshy. So in his last four straight games, 
He's accounted for at least four touchdowns in a game. That dates back to last year's postseason, obviously. It's the most conse- now the most consecutive games accounting for four touchdowns since the merger is five of those, and that was by Peyton Manning in 2004. Josh Allen's last four games, including playoffs, 76.3 completion percentage, 312 yards a game, 16 TDs, two interceptions. They're averaging 39 points a game over that span. And since 2020, Allen and Diggs have the second most yards in the NFL with 3,030. Only Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson have more, and that's 3,190 they have. Diggs is coming off a game with 12 receptions for a buck 48, three TDs against Tennessee. He's got three games with at least 140 receiving yards and three TDs. Only Jerry Rice, who has seven, and Randy Moss, who has four, have more such games in the Super Bowl era. Who? So, and that was in a game where Steph Diggs walks in as without his significant other in Gabe Davis. Like mm-hmm. Jake Coomer, and I love Jake. We love Jake because he had he contributed. But the Titans knew Steph was getting the ball. They couldn't stop him. So I'm I was shocked by you. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, Brownie and I. There's really no excuse for the Titans not covering him up. Yeah, you know that he's going to be targeted more, or at least you think that he's going to be targeted more because Gabe Davis was not involved in, in the game plan on. Monday night was not able to go with that injury he was dealing with, and they did not have an answer for Stefan Diggs. I think that's partly because maybe they're, they're game planning on, on the defensive end of things for the Tennessee Titans, but also because Stefan Diggs is such a great athlete, such a great wide receiver. Um, he's able to get open like no other receivers can. His hands are so, 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 so good. Um, some of the catches that he, w- he made in that game against the Titans, uh, incredible <laughs> catches in the end zone. Um, that connection is so fun to watch. I think it'll continue to heat up this season. Uh, we hope Gabe Davis is going to be on the field on Sunday afternoon so the Bills have some more options of guys to throw, to, throw the ball to. When you look at the numbers of these two teams, and, and we've explained how successful both teams have been on offense, um, also touched on obviously how the Bills have had a great start defensively to the season. The the thing that doesn't align here, that's not similar in the two teams, is the way the Miami Dolphins' defense has been playing. Right. They rank near the bottom of the NFL in a, more than a few statistical categories. Um, they tie for 18th, allowing 22.5 points per game. Now, that's not a big, big number that they've allowed, but they rank last in the NFL allowing 6.8 yards, 6.89 yards per play. Um, that's a that's a big number to give up on every single play. Uh, they also are allowing nine yards per pass attempt. That ranks at the bottom of the NFL, 32nd. Um, they're allowing opposing quarterbacks to complete 71.2% of their passes. That is a really terrible number to have on defense. That ranks 28th in the NFL, and they tie for the worst in the NFL, or their their 30th, allowing a 114 passer rating. So based on the last two games that the Miami Dolphins have played, uh, their defense has allowed quarterbacks to really go off. I would think it would be the same for Josh Allen because Josh Allen is not an average quarterback. He is an elite quarterback. So I think the Dolphins are really going to have a tough time with him. I do too. They're, yeah, they're 32nd in yards per game, 
24th in yards rushing, 32nd in passing yards. They get a couple of interceptions. They had their six ranked 16th, but they don't sack the quarterback at all. They're 28th in the number of sacks they get. They're middle of the pack in the first downs allowed. Uh, they're last in kickoff. Uh, I mean, it's fourth down. They're bottom seven in red zone percentage stops. Uh, they're middle of the pack in third down efficiency defensively. Um, you know, they're giving up 23 points a game, I think, on average. Um, yeah, they're – They're not firing on all cylinders like the Buffalo Bills have been in their two defense, weeks. I was surprised by that, too, because they're with their They're known to and, have a really good yeah, defense. Yeah. Two years ago, they were ranked number one in the NFL. That's Yeah, that's surpri- that surprised me more than anything uh, was the Dolphins' defensive statistics. Because I'll tell you what, Lamar Jackson carved them up this last weekend, and uh, I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, that Lamar had such a good day. Now, he he snapped off a couple mm-hmm. of big plays. He ran his own 75-yard yep. play in like we were talking about. Uh, but early in that game, Lamar Jackson looked unstoppable by the for the Dolphins. So we'll, we'll see what it looks like when the Bills go down there, um, when the Dolphins are at home instead of on the road. This is true. It's going to be hot. But, we know uh, that. September I, 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 this, in Miami. This could – this could, I think the Bills are going to score some points. I really I, do. Yeah, I think that's guaranteed uh, based on the way that the Miami Dolphins have played on defense through two weeks. But beginning to set up the conversation for this Bills at Dolphins week three contest, uh, we're going to keep the conversation flowing after this break here. We're going to hear from uh, Leslie Frazier is up ahead this afternoon, our Question of the day, what is the engine of the Buffalo Bills in 2022 and why? Tweet at us or give us a call at 803-550. Maddie Glab, Steve Tasker, we're back after this break on One Bills Live presented by Clyde Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back into One Bills Live on this Wednesday afternoon. Maddie Glavin, Steve Tasker here. Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, spoke to the media earlier this afternoon. We want to get right to him. A quite quite a long conversation with Leslie. Of course, he addressed the quarterbacks, uh, their status heading into this one, Micah Hyde. Uh, so let's hear from Leslie and what he had to say as we approach week three against the Miami Dolphins. Understanding there's still uncertainty with Dane's status, um, but what have you seen from Christian and Kyrie in a rotational setting um, that would maybe make them prepare this early in their career to potentially each have to play the full game? Yeah, I think in the roles that they played in our first couple of games, John, they've done a really good job of uh, understanding the game plan and then being able to go out and execute it both in practice and in the games. And that's always a good sign. Uh, and the production that they've given us, uh, the games haven't been too big for them. So if it comes to that, where they would have to both start, uh, you know, we'd be comfortable with both of them out there for sure. What would potentially change outside of the obvious of being on the field more for each of them if thrust into those individual roles, uh, each playing on the outside? I mean, they've both been plan so I don't know how much different it would be their preparation has been the same and they've been preparing each week to play uh, so I don't know if it'll be a whole lot different uh, just a different 
people that you're lining up against, the different people that you're preparing for would probably be the biggest difference. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, Leslie. Um, I'm curious, you know, uh, Kair coming into the season, I mean, tr in a training camp, expectations were super high, you know, uh, which generally tend to be the case for first round draft picks. How has he handled the role that he has had and how do you expect him to handle if he's thrust into um, that role of playing every snap on Sunday? You know, he's done very, very well within the current role where he and Kristen have basically split the reps uh, throughout the ball game. And so if he's thrust into the role where he's taking all the reps, that would be a little different for both of them, a little bit of an adjustment for both of them, but I think they both would uh, do a good job. They're going to do a great job in their preparation. And that's the key uh, for Kair as well as for Kristen. And I think they would be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. Um, fair or not, when he was drafted, a lot of people said, you know, he was drafted to cover guys like Tyreek Hill. You know, I know it's not that simple and your defense, your scheme dictates, you know, how you, you know, game plan for teams, but how confident, like, of course you're confident in him, but when, when, when Sunday comes against Tyreek Hill, if he ends up having to cover him, how ready is, is he for that from his growth from when he started to, to now? Well, Matt, you said uh, it's never about one guy in our scheme. I mean, it's it's about a collective effort between our rush and our coverage combined. And there aren't a lot of guys in our league that will stand up and tell you, I'm going to take uh, Tyree Hill one-on-one. -on -one. I got him all day long. It just doesn't happen very often in our league. Uh, he's an excellent receiver, one of the best in our business. Uh, but for us, on the way we play defense, it's a collective effort uh, between our secondary and our rush and our linebackers. Mm -hmm. And finally, what what clicked for Tua uh, watching the tape the last couple of days against Baltimore on Sunday, last Sunday? He just did a, a great job of reading coverages and, and finding an open guy. And he has the arm strength and the accuracy uh, to make those throws. And he did a terrific job uh, in, in both games, particularly in that uh, second half of, of the Ravens game. Thanks a lot, Leslie. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey, Leslie, John Warrell here. Sorry, I'm down in my basement and nobody needs to see my basement. <laughs> um, okay, John. But um, just wondering, we, we discussed this back, I think, in the spring when, when the Bills, you know, bulked up their pass rush. It was, you know, it, it, the chance was to take the pressure off the back end. How important might that be in this game, given that you're facing, you know, Waddell and Tyreek Hill, to take some pressure off what could be a depleted secondary? Well, that's an important part of our success on defense and really any defense, the ability to be able to rush the quarterback uh, with four and not always having to expose the secondary by bringing five or six uh, guys to uh, make him speed up. So it's always important for us to combine rushing coverage, John, and it's no different uh, this week, uh, although they have some outstanding young wide receivers and, a uh, really good quarterback, uh, but it's the same way every week for us. Uh, we need to combine both rushing coverage in order for us to be successful as a defense. With not knowing the status of Ed and now with Jordan kind of nicked up, um, does that kind of deplete what you can do on the defensive front um, or, or, you know, 
with those guys not there and, and how disruptive they can be, how does that, how might that deplete what you can do with a four-man rush? Well, if, if they're not able to play, you know, we have some other guys who get an opportunity similar to last week when Ed was not able to play and Tim Settle wasn't able to get on the field with us. We had some uh, other young guys that stepped in and Brandon Bryan and CJ Brewer, and they did an outstanding job for us and uh, helped us to have success uh, on Monday night. And it'll give other guys opportunities. If for some reason uh, Ed is not able to go or Jordan is not able to go, uh, that means next man up, somebody else will have an opportunity. Thanks, Leslie. You're welcome. Coach Frazier, Mookie Hawkins, Ruffles Sports Cincinnati. How you doing today, sir? I'm, I'm doing good, Mookie. How you doing? I think I think I lost you there. I, I can't hear you. I can see you now, but I can't hear you. Can you, you got me now, Coach? Got you. Got you. <laughs> Yes, yes, sir, man. This defense is looking awesome, man. Nine sacks, five interceptions, only giving up 17 points in two games. So far, so good, right? Um, but you, you you face two different types of offenses, right? And we know cross-arounds and quick game is pretty much a normal trend in uh, in offense, how they use that. But how does the speed of Waddle and Tariq Hill underneath kind of put defenses in binds? Well, you, you're right. I mean, it's a different style of offense than in some ways than the first two we faced. Uh, these guys, they do a great job. To re their receivers with yards after catch. Mm -hmm. So our ability to be able to tackle and get guys running to the football is going to be very, very important. It's not always just bombs away. You know, they're throwing the ball quick, like you mentioned, uh, making some catches and making people miss. Uh, so it's going to be important that we tackle. Uh, we'll get guys running to the ball and, and, and have success and trying to get the ball taken away from them as well. Yes, sir. And now the good thing about that and your younger guys, you have two young guns in, in Elam and Benford. That's definitely, you know, come up and do some great run support uh, so far. But um, what went into the evaluation process of uh, Benford getting a nod over Elam the recent weeks? Yeah, you know, as we've uh, going through it, Mookie, we've just been continually putting them in different positions and just trying to see how they will respond. And, uh, you know, we split the reps with both of them, and they've done a really good job with the reps they've gotten. And we expect that to continue. Uh, but Kristen's done a good job in everything we've asked them to do. But so has Carrier. They both have done a really terrific job. We just made a decision that one would start and the other would split reps, and they've been splitting throughout. Absolutely, Coach. Keep up the good work. Good luck this Sunday. Thanks, man. Um, yes, good afternoon, Coach Frazier. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Great. Uh, I have questions for you. Uh, how did the, how did, can you give a little on the play CJ and uh, this week's uh, pass game? You know, I, I, I miss your, your question. Uh, can you repeat it for me, George? Oh, yes. Uh, the play of uh, C.J. Brewer and Brandon Bryant. Uh, okay. Could you assess their, their performance in, in the game? Yes. We were really pleased with both uh, guys and the way they performed. Uh, if you could imagine, George, being on the practice squad and really coming to work uh, to prepare for the next opponent, thinking I'm going to just be – working to provide a picture for the offense. And then you get notified that you're going to be playing on Monday night football in front of a national audience uh, after being on the practice squad. And uh, both guys responded very, very well. 
uh, did a terrific job on the field for us. They prepared the right way during the week and went out and played at a high level for us in the ball game as well. Yes, and uh, with, with two with that offense, would you think you may see uh, stop the rush pass first or run uh, with your uh, with the defense this coming week? More work on the uh, on stopping running game. Well, it always starts with us, George, with stop and run. I mean, that's that's our goal in every ball game to try to you know get a team to be one dimensional and won't change this week either. We want to be able to defend the run game and and and, and limit. Uh, the, the amount of big plays they get in the passing game. And hopefully we can do that. Uh, but it starts with being able to stop the run and not letting an offense become a balanced offense. Great. Thank you very much for your time. Have a great week. You too. Thanks. Hey, Leslie. Um, I know you already touched on some of the injuries across the defense at corner and D-line in particular. But then when you throw in, you know, Micah High and Matt Milano also leaving. It's really just all across the defense right now. So I was curious how that affects you from the standpoint of, you know, not just in a vacuum of what will we do at this position, but when there's so much uncertainty at once in one week, how does that affect your preparation? It's a good question, Catherine. It, it, it definitely goes through your mind as you're putting together your plan for the opponent, uh, as you're thinking about matchups and, and what you want to try to get accomplished. But at the end of the day, you have to trust uh, the guys that could potentially step into roles if someone is not able to play, uh, that they'll be able to uh, handle the game plan. Uh, and part of it is when we when we start back in April, Catherine, we're, we're installing the same things that we're going to run in the fall. And I always tell our players that unlike some teams that may be installing just to take a look at some things in the offseason, we're working on things we're going to do during the season, which I think is one of the reasons we've been able to usually get off to a good start on defense. So the players that are with us, they've had a lot of time on task. And so when they are thrust into the role that a Brandon Bryan or a CJ Brewer were put into, uh, it's not like it's something new when they hear a particular defensive call. They've had a lot of reps at it. Now it's just a matter of going out and executing that assignment. So we're trusting that the guys who would potentially play who haven't been playing will be able to go out and execute their assignment and, and help us win. You had mentioned the other week when talking about Trey White, how, you know, obviously you want guys to be healthy and be able to play, but sometimes there's that clarity of once you at least know you can let the next guy get a little more ready, or even if they've been preparing the whole time. When, again, there's so many different positions being affected right now, does it impact you at all of like which you find out first when guys are ready of like, if you find out more news on cornerbacks sooner than safety, does does the order of that impact you? To a degree, but you, you can't let it uh, freeze you because time goes on and you got to be able to get ready for practice. You got to get ready for this ball game. So you have to make some decisions and uh, you, you can't be held hostage. Otherwise, uh, you get to game time. You really won't have rep some of the things you want to be able to do in the game. So, uh, you, you know, we, we put together a plan. And even if a guy's not able to, pra not able to practice and he's still in limbo, uh, we're trusting that he's spending the time with the tape. Uh, he's spending the time mentally going through the process. And so when there's a decision made about whether he's going to play, and if he is, uh, he's somewhat ready because he's visualized himself being able to be in the game plan. And if for some reason we find out he's not able to play, well, then that other guy who was scheduled to maybe step in in his role, he's been getting those reps all along. Thanks.
All right, that was Leslie Frazier addressing the media earlier this afternoon. We're still waiting to hear from Ken Dorsey. That'll be around 2.30. Uh, we'll air it here on One Bills Live, so make sure you stick around for that. We've got Thurman Thomas coming up at 2 o'clock. In this next segment, we're going to dig into your answers to our Twitter question. And that Twitter question is, what is the engine of the Bills in 2022 and why? Also taking your calls here, 803-0550. We'll be back. Back in a few on One Bills Live, we're presented by Clyde Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Bills tickets? Check. Face paint? Check. Your favorite apples with an epic crunch? Almost. Snapdragon apples will be rushing into a Wegmans near you soon. Snapdragon apples, the official apple of your Buffalo Bills. All right, time to get to our tweet sheet, our question of the day. What is the engine of the Bills in 2022 and why? Number one from Jeremy, he says number 17 on offense and number 40 on defense. This defense looks like a completely different unit with number four. In there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the difference I see in this team rather than la- at the end of last year, the offense was flying high as well. I mean, they no were. question about it. But uh, this year, the pass rush and the splash plays of the defense have contributed already outnumber what they did a year ago. Um, they, yeah, the pick six by Milano, the sacks in the first game, the interceptions in the first game. This defense has already contributed more big plays than they did all of last year, and it's only week three. Sometimes it just takes one person to be able to put the whole puzzle together. Well, and I think it's more than just one. I mean, the depth on their D-line. Yeah. And plus, I think, well, you can also attribute some of that to Vaughn as well. The elevated play of Greg Rousseau, the elevated play of A.J. Epinesa, the elevated play of Boogie Basham, you know, and Shaq Lawson and uh, Jordan Phillips back in the fold with Dick Juan and Tim Sa- – you know, all these guys – but Vaughn's ability to get the other young defensive ends to elevate their game, mm-hmm. I think, says a lot about so what he's cool. meant. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool and unique to be able to watch that and be able to watch the confidence level of the entire defense um, increase and take that next step. From Andrew, he says, Trey White, when he returns, you thought our defense was scary. Now wait till he's back on the field. Ah, I cannot wait till Trey White is back. And it's crazy to think that. After this week, we're already into week four, mm-hmm. and he was going to be out a minimum, minimum yeah. of the first four games of the NFL season. Uh, we'll probably get an update here in week four. Uh, we'll see where he's at. If if it is four games, if it's more than four, uh, yeah, that's we miss minimum. Trey White a lot. Yeah, he can minimum. stay on IRs for, as, I think, for as long as they want him to mm-hmm. um, up until, you know, and then what will happen is when he's ready to start practicing with the team, we'll get a notification that here we go. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's into his three-week window of yep. practicing, yeah. And then you have a, a certain amount of days until you have to be back once you're right. returned from IR or designated off of IR. All right, from Seth, he says, it's got to be the D-line. 17 in the offense will put up points all year. No one can keep up with them, but if the front four – can stuff the run early and force teams to attempt to keep up with Josh through the air. We'll keep seeing picks rolling in. We go as the D-line goes. Yeah, that's more of what we were talking about. Uh, that's what everybody notices is different, the pass rush. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see if 
that can continue and they can make a difference in Miami this weekend because the ball's going to come out with Tua. And if, if it doesn't, you got a chance. Um, he's he's not a guy that likes to run around. He's not a Lamar Jackson. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Josh. Uh, he throws the ball on time. He's more you know, like a Mac Jones kind of mm-hmm. guy. The ball comes out on time. He's mm-hmm. hard to get there because he the ball's not there. We'll see if that can continue this week. And then from Jack, Jack says, 17, and the team will go where he can drive us without Allen. They have a good team with 17 under center. They're elite. If you want to look beyond Allen, it may be coordinators and their ability to design and call great game plans, attacking on both offense and defense and exposing opponents' weaknesses. Yep, I think in addition to Allen being able to have Ken Dorsey and Leslie Frazier in the fold. Those are two elite coordinators uh, that every NFL team, unfortunately, isn't blessed with having smart guys like them. At this, at this level, and, and most teams do it, um, they have the ability to adapt really quickly. Bill's coordinators seem to be able to get that onto the field better than other teams can. Um, their team seems just really mentally prepared, I mean, with X's and O's, game plan. They're real educated on the game plan, prepared. And, I, and Marv used to tell us, you know, the team is – morale is the highest when they feel the most prepared. And that's – we spent a lot of time getting ready between our ears as much as we did on the field and in the weight room and that kind of thing. So I think there's a lot in there. These coordinators have done an outstanding job. Ken Dorsey, it's hard to imagine it going better for him in his first – couple of games as offensive coordinator. I mean, good grief. They, they hung 41 points on the Titans. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's a good call. The coordinators are a key part of this whole thing. I thought it was a little interesting that the national perspective, and I really didn't get a – I really wasn't up to date on this, I would say, until right before the first game, the national perspective. One of the one big question marks people had for the Buffalo Bills was what the offense would look like under Ken Dorsey, and I think – us inside the building and the people that cover the team on a day-to-day basis really weren't worried about that at all. I think all of us thought it was going to continue on and and have a couple additional wrinkles, um, which we're continuing to see and and will continue to see as the season goes on. I think another thing um, with the coordinators that is important to note is the development aspect of things. Um, Not just the coordinators, but the coaching staff as well, the assistants, they develop players um, at a really high level. Guys who are drafted in, in the fifth round and beyond. A Christian Benford, who's a lower draft pick, who, yes, did have a good college career, but was drafted pretty late in the NFL draft. Develop him in, in just a couple months to being a kid who is starting uh, for the defense that ranked number one in the NFL last year. They do a great job at developing guys who maybe aren't first and second or third round picks into playing like first, second, and third round picks. Yeah, that's well, if you want to talk about the engine, it's the roster itself and, you know, Brandon Bean. I mean, think about it. The, the guy got a first-round corner who's starting quality and then got another one in the sixth round. Yeah. Um, it's laughable how well their drafts have gone. They got a ton of guys that are contributing this year. You know, Christian Benford, yes. and then But there's also uh, Bernard, uh, the, the rookie linebacker who came in and is playing extremely well. James Cook, who was, he was seeing some reps. 
their their ability to and and then the guys they brought in. Think about the the Titans coming in there. They walk into the to Highmark the other night on Monday night. They got a two hundred and seventy pound left guard who gets bull rushed by a defensive end, not a defensive tackle, a defensive end in Greg Rousseau. They traded Roger Saffold, as good an offensive guard as there is in the league. They mm-hmm. lost him and got and replaced him with that guy. They're not getting better that way. I, I like the guy, good guard, He's all, but he's undersized. That kind of roster move like Brent, that Brandon Bean has displayed and the, and the ability, they get the right guys, it's not just – the coaching staff, it's getting the right guys who want to get better. Mm-hmm. And the coaching staff who's getting on board. The whole culture here that has driven this whole thing, and I you know, call it the engine or whatever. You said the it. engine. The, getting draft picks like they've gotten and, the dra- and, the, and refurbishing a roster every year like they have been able to do. It's unbelievable. It's it's pretty amazing. Pretty, pretty crazy. we got to <laughs> go to break, but I want to leave you with this stat. Uh, since we're talking about draft picks, since 2017, 688 games started by own draft picks. That's Sean and Brandon, most in the NFL out of any other team. Uh, so you know these guys have been able to draft, develop, and re-sign, which they could talk about that all the time. All right, break time for us. When we come back, we are going to hear from Thurman Thomas. He's going to join us on the show, Bills legend and Hall of Famer. Coming up next, stick with us here on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyda Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome into One Bills Live, bringing you the final hour of a show on Wednesday afternoon. And we're joined by a couple of teammates, a couple of old teammates, old friends here. Old guys. <laughs> Steve Tasker and <laughs> Thurman Thomas joining us on set. Thurman, so excited to have you in the studio with us Absolutely. after... Yeah. A wonderful Monday night yeah, game against the Tennessee Titans. I know we're starting to look forward to the Week 3 game against yeah. the Miami Dolphins, but we've got to relive this Titans game with you. I mean, what what were your thoughts from the beginning? It was tied up there for a second, yeah. and, and then they just plowed Well, first of Tennessee. all, it's just glad to get Tennessee on our turf for once in a mm-hmm. while. You know, yeah. the last couple of times we played up there. Must and, make a difference. Right, it does make a difference. Uh, you know, um, with this team, uh, playing against Tennessee, obviously, me personally, always think about stopping Derrick Henry first. I've really never been a Ryan Tannehill fan. He's never really scared me. When uh-huh. Even when he played with the Miami Dolphins, he's not a guy that's mm-hmm. going to drop back 50 times and have an opportunity. It's just no way it's going to happen, especially the way our defense has been playing. And uh, But uh, it's an impressive victory, 7-7, and then all of a sudden <laughs> the game is over. People are leaving, leaving at the third quarter. I'm ashamed to say that I did, but I had good reason to do that. But Oh, man. Um, the game was over. 
you know, what, need, and once hey, they took Josh left the third they took quarter. Josh out, right? I figured, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm good to go anyway, too. And Josh so. was showering up halfway through the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, well, right. I, I'll say this though: you were there early, and I and Maddie and I have this thing where because we do post game live, right? And uh, we didn't do it this week, but we have we didn't want to break our mojo, right? So I'm sitting there. Marv, come, Bruce does his thing, which he hit a home run. It's great. Oh gosh! Yeah. Then Jim did his his thing. He did the chant, and then they handed the mic to Marv and. The, Nobody knew, realized he was there until they showed him on the scoreboard. The, the, the place absolutely lost yes. its mind. The crowd lost its mind. And then I, I was sitting there, and I, couldn't, I, I teared up. I, I mean, I, I, got, I get emotional, and Maddie said she couldn't look at me or she would have too. I got emotional <laughs> yesterday. We played it as a highlight yesterday. I got emotional over it. I was like, it's like, so if, if I look at Tasker, I'm going to start crying now. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, look, 97. I mean, <laughs> I'm starting guy. to kind of feel it a little bit now. <laughs> I mean, just to see him and Fran and everybody come back. Uh, and you talk about, you know, people say that we're legends. That guy's a legend. Oh, that guy's like, <laughs> He's a national treasure. <laughs> right, exactly. The guy got a street named after him in Chicago. In right Chicago. over by right in Chicago, right? And right by Wrigley Field. So uh it was so great to uh, to see his family here and obviously Jim down there with Bruce and uh you know what? I mean when when they announced his name, man, you you felt the chill go through your body. That I mean, you, it was it loud. Was, it, you could see and I'll say this too, we talked about it yesterday. You know you've been in hundreds of games in that stadium. Way before kickoff, right? Every seat yeah. was f- nobody showed up late. I mean, no. you could look up at the court. I couldn't find an empty seat in the entire place from where we were at in the radio booth. I, it was packed. Yeah, it, it was packed, and and I thought for a reason, just for a brief moment, that they probably would have a little problem because when I was out in the parking lot or whatever, uh, people were like. I can't transfer any of my tickets. Oh, yeah, the internet. No. Get internet, internet, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, like, I'm like thinking no it's going to be like, oh my God, it's mm-hmm. going to be jammed Fiasco, and nobody's going to be here. Ticket but I think everything went well because it was, like you said, it was a jam packed stadium so before the stadium even. I'm so but the glad game too. even begun. They let they 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 started. I think it was last year. They started opening the gates and a half hour earlier than they used. To. It was it used to be 90 minutes before kickoff. Right. Right. Now it's two hours, and that that's helped. <laughs> but usually, I mean, even me, I mean, I'm like rolling in there, like right. you know, like during the anthem, right? right? Exactly. And everybody was in there, man. Yeah. And they, we had been, we I say we all of us that had been anticipating that game on right. Monday night, the opener against Tennessee, and that, but I go on what it was going to be like, and yeah. uh, with the expectations attached to the team, and man, oh man, they did not disappoint. They did not disappoint. It was uh, it was great to see. Uh, I knew at the end of the game there, we were, I mean, myself and everybody were kind of worried about the injuries and how things yeah. would affect us or whatever, but uh, I just think the excitement of being a Monday night game here, and then when I read something that the Bills haven't won a Monday night game since 1994. Yeah. Since the white Buff standing Buffalo with a red with, helmet. Yeah, we played Denver that, that game. Was an awful year. Yeah, it was awful. It was But that was a long time. But to see it come back and man, the way that we won this football game, it's um, I, you just can't say enough about how good this football team is. Two, I, yeah. Two and zero. Oh, two and zero. Oh, two really and, big victories. And this is the third game teams. of the season. And people are already talking about I me. Mean, this could be for the AFC Championship yeah. right here, AFC East. Yeah, they're, they're playing good. They're playing good right now. But I, I think the factor going into this game is that 
that first game that we played against the Rams, that defense needs to show up. They yes. need to get yes. into his face the entire time. Because obviously you've seen the comeback against Miami, against the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh. I mean, hey, look, they got two of the top fastest guys in the National Football League. And with Tariq Hill there and Jalen Waddle, I mean, it's, that pass rush is going to be – They're real. They're going to be – Tested this week. Mm -hmm. They're going to be tested this week, and obviously with the injuries. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I I don't mind if it's a track meet, but I don't mind if it's 17-13 either, because I think throughout the course of the year we're going to have to go through some games like that where Josh is not going to be on this game. You hope that he's on this game throughout the entire year, but some of those times, you know, even back in the '90s, you know, we were first couple of games, yeah. 30, 40 points. All of a sudden, we get into a 13-10 game. It's all like, <laughs> oh, we got to buckle up a little bit more, yeah, you yeah. know. So, uh, I mean, those games are going to come. But I, I just think the way the both of these two teams yeah. and way Miami has retooled mm -hmm. their offense, really, the kind of their entire uh, roster with a rookie head coach who's believe in his quarterback, believe in his wide receivers. Um, I'm excited. I was on a radio station in Miami this morning and talking about and they asked me about what kind of difference it can make when a, a head coach comes in who believes in his quarterback mm -hmm. and says, you're my guy and stuff. And I, and I right. said, you know, every player's different. Yeah. Mo some players thrive on just the opposite. They want their head coach to challenge them. Yeah, right. They want, they like, like, you don't think I, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing, right? They, you know, chip on their shoulder. But other right. guys, and I, you know, they do need to have their shoulders rubbed. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and, and be coaxed and have somebody on their side kind of thing, right, when they're in it. Um, no doubt, though, in the first couple of weeks, Mike McDaniel has struck a really nice chord with mm -hmm. Tua, and yeah. they seem to have a relationship that is really good for Tua's mindset. Yeah, yeah, he does. And it's and made a uh, difference. It, it definitely has made a difference because, you know, there was – I mean, since he's been in the league, there's been question marks about yeah. him. You know, can he oh, throw the loud deep ball question marks. Loud yeah. question marks about a different quarterback coming in or whatever. So, um, and even some of the throws that he had on Sunday, when you're throwing with to Tariq here, they were still <laughs> kind of underthrown. Well, you can't wait too long to throw it because he might outrun it. He'll, but, outrun, he'll outrun an arm, yeah. But like you said, you know, when you have that confidence in your coach, and, I mean, he's calling these deep routes. I mean, he's doing it all. Um, he believes in his quarterback. And if you have that belief in your quarterback, you're going to call plays that's going to make him be a successful quarterback. And obviously the first couple of games, uh, I think, what, he just got named AFC Player of the Week. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so, I mean, and you don't think that's a big deal to him? That's a huge mm -hmm. deal to him mm -hmm. for him and his uh, the team, uh, the head yeah. coach. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's so huge. And, it's hey, it's the biggest game of the year. Already at week three, and they're playing at home. Yeah, they're going to be fired up. Yeah, no doubt. We're going to have to bring our best game. Yeah. Who do you think deserves the most credit? Do you think it's Mike McDaniel right now? Do you think it's Tua Tungavailoa, or do you think it's Tyreek Hill for the way that this Dolphins team has came out of the gate here in the first two weeks? You know, you can pick either one of yeah. them. Yeah, you can pick either one of uh -huh. them. I, I think you can pick either one of them. Uh, but I, I think if you had to, I would probably go with. Uh, the head coach McDaniel. Mm -hmm. I, I think you. I think you go with him. I think he's made a difference. I think when they hired him, he's made a difference through out their entire o, uh, OTAs, training camp, and obviously the first couple of games. Uh, because I think when he got hired, a lot of people didn't know. Right. I didn't know. I didn't really know anything about <laughs> him. You know. Right. Well, he came from the Rams? Uh, from the 49ers. Francisco. The 49ers. Yeah. And, well, we know what type of offense they can run or mm -hmm. whatever. But um, I didn't know too much about him. And, obviously, 
being the head coach, named the head coach is a big deal to him, and uh, he he's put his stamp on the first couple of games. I mean, I never would would have thought that they came back and beat the Ravens like they did. I mean, it was yeah, like a shocker. That, I, I was sitting there. <laughs> they were down 21. It was 35-14 right at the start of the fourth quarter. But they were going in, you know. So it's one of right. those things where they, mm-hmm. they got that the, – for like the first three plays, one of them was a touchdown in yeah. the fourth quarter. But uh, the the two busted coverages well, that led to Tyreek <laughs> touchdowns, yeah. um, it's inexcusable. You won't see that with us. I can guarantee well, you Right. That. You would like to think. <laughs> but, you know, never say never. But right. That's what happened. Yeah. And as tough as it is, nobody's going to run with Tyreek, but guys know how to stay behind him. I mean, they just get a head start yeah. and they stay out there. These guys didn't do that. There was a miscommunication. So, mm-hmm. But, you know, hey, who was smart enough to throw no, it out there, right? right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you can leave him uncovered. The guy never sees it. But that's it was an amazing last part of that game. And I'll say this, too. Lamar Jackson carved him up, too. He had 318 yeah. yards and three touchdown throws. Yeah, he did. He carved him up. So it'll be interesting to see which offense can get off to a better start. And you, um, you'd like to think the Bills' defense is a different animal than it has been mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. And I told Maddie and see what you think. Thus far, two weeks into the season, they've already had more splash plays than they had all of last season. That, that's defense, huge. Yeah. That's seven huge. takeaways. Yeah, seven takeaways. How many did we have last nine year? Nine sacks. Yeah, nine sacks. Yeah, they're off to a great start. Yeah. Be, but, you know, you're on the road again. Uh, not the defending Super Bowl champions, but you're down in the heat. <laughs> right. September Miami Heat. Yeah, it's the Miami Woo. Heat, and their fans are going to be fired up because they haven't been in this situation in a number of years. And what Josh is what seven and one against them? Yeah, seven and one. Seven and one. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. So they they have been the dominant team. Uh, the Buffalo Bills have in the past eight games. And uh, hey, look. The way this offense is going, the way this defense is playing, I expect us to be 3-0. and I'm yeah. sorry to sit up here and say whatever, <laughs> but that's just the way I feel uh, about this football team, especially if that pass rush is really doing what it's supposed to be doing. And how about, you know what, you talk about um, Tremaine Edmonds so far this year. So happy with what so I've seen. So happy for what I see from him. Uh, he's doing an outstanding job, uh, you know, and I think for us, it's going to have to be – the key is going to be for the last couple of years how healthy we stay on on this entire football team. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully Gabe Davis is coming back. I mean, it's – I mean, it, it, to, to yeah. see what Josh did with the, when Gabe Davis wasn't in there, to go to his receivers like that, yeah. I mean – Even Jay Kumaro who Kumaro, I know, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I mean, that just tells you the relationship. And I said it last week about that relationship that they have in that locker room is real. Yeah, it's it really real. is. The, um, the injury list is, you know, is bad. And I, yeah. and I, I hate – I hesitate to talk about it because you and I are, have a different perspective as players because we tend to – like, ah, oh, that guy will be all right. That guy will be right. fine. Hey, he'll be all right. Just shoot it up and play kind of thing, right? <laughs> uh, you don't want to – and I, I don't – it's the wrong atmosphere, maybe the wrong tone to take as a radio right. announcer. but. Right. It, we walked off the field and it's like, wow, it was bad. But the one who really worried wasn't Dane Jackson because he was up and he was moving around even on the field. Right. That, I didn't think that was going to be so bad. Uh, Milano didn't even know he got hurt. Nope. Uh, Micah Hyde, the stinger, all those things on kind of innocuous hits. You think, okay, that they're all going to bounce back. The one that worries me is Jordan Phillips. And and in I know it's not a serious injury. It's not something. It's a pulled muscle. Okay, he's going to be fine. 
<laughs> and he went down like he'd been shot. <laughs> and we, oh, I talk, you're laughing because every player I've over spoken to about that, they go, oh, they start laughing because they've been there. <laughs> and you can't, you can't stay upright no, when you're he, running. He was moving. He was trying to get He was advantage. moving, and he starts to get in front, trying to get in front of Matt Milano, and boing, oh, and, yeah. and it just goes, and he goes hits the ground. Yeah, uh, that's the one that bothers me because that guy has yeah. is gotten off to a fantastic start. They need guys like him. They need guys. He's like a him. big contributor, and they're going to miss him as much as anybody on the list. If yeah. if, all, if if indeed all these guys or none of them could play, do we he's even, the one you'd miss. Do we even know if Ed Oliver going to play? We yeah. do not. We or do not or settle. Or settle. But I, I, I agree or with you. Or Dane Jackson or any of them. We don't know any of them. I agree with you. This right here will hurt us. Yes. I mean, the years that he was here, he was awesome. And he, I guess. And he was off to a fantastic two, start. Two years off to go to Arizona mm -hmm. and make, come make back here and still. Fits in this defense. He still made his presence felt. After missing two years, the first game and this game, yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah and people, I mean, he, I mean, he, I was trying to yell through the window and tell him to, you know, calm down a little bit because he's doing this the entire game <laughs> to try to get the crowd going. I'm like he just wasting energy I know, right man. there. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm like, tired watching. <laughs> right, yeah, just do something like this. You know, he's using his whole body to get the and crowd going. And he was off going. the sideline. They had to right. walk, walk all the way back, back to the, the huddle. Right, exactly. Yeah, so that, those, you know, you, you, everybody's got a step counter. Those steps count. Those steps count. You got to stay yeah. in the middle of the field and wave them up so you don't oh have to walk gosh. back. Yeah, it's but crazy. I do, I do believe that. Yeah, he has to. I, I hope he plays because he is a because he has to get that rush right up the middle on tour. Yeah, that yeah. that's the injury that really worries Leslie me. Leslie Frazier said, you know, of course we're happy with Von Miller being a part of the Buffalo Bills, but we are equally as pleased uh, with absolutely. Jordan Phillips and what he has been able to do in the first two weeks. Uh, the defense has allowed just 66 rushing yards. They average uh, 66 rushing yards is what they give up a game in the first two games, which is such a tiny, tiny number. And the defensive line has struggled in years past yeah. uh, with the run, and they limit Derrick Henry to just averaging 1.9 yards per carry, which is crazy. He had only 25 rushing yards on 13 attempts against the Buffalo Bills. So you being a former running back, how impressed have you been with the run defense and what the, the front four has been able to do? Well, I think you, even though when you look at the Buffalo Bills defense and you see Von Miller, you obviously think of sacks. Yeah. But I think with his presence, he causes a lot of commotion at the, at the line of scrimmage. And that frees up other guys. I've been impressed. Uh, you know, look, I know in this league it's all about sacks and getting to the quarterback. But when you can limit Derrick Henry with 25 yards rushing, uh, yeah, it, it's a run, it's a pass attack defense first. But you have to be able to stop the run. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to stop the run. There's no way about it because teams are going to try to run the football these days. Some do, some don't. But I think in our division, you know, we got some nice uh, running backs in the division. Um, yeah, it's important that you're you're good on all phases of the game. You know, it's pass defense, rush defense, interceptions, sacks, or whatever. And we're hitting on all cylinders right now. And uh, yeah, let me ask you this: yeah. we are hitting on all cylinders, yeah. and the expectations were high. That, and and you know, even in the preseason, Josh comes in three for three touchdown. And you roll, you get seven sacks, you're just thumping people. Yeah. But we got like four months left. Oh, absolutely. And 
it's hard you gotta to be play hot at, at the that right time. level yeah. for four months. And and I don't care if they have a swoon, and you know, and I don't care if they even squeak into the playoffs. You want to be if they can play their best, which is like what it seems like that's what we're seeing now. Right. Maybe even better by the end of the season right. when they start finding out about. It. That's when you want to be playing your best. They were playing that way at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. It didn't ultimately mean getting to the Super Bowl, right. but man, oh man, they were playing and they were as healthy as they any team in the league at the yeah. end of the regular season last year. What does playing this well this early? How tough does it make it later in the year for us? It does make it. it I think it does make it a little bit tougher, especially, I want to say, like, for me, what is it going to be later on in the year? What is our running game going to look like? Mm-hmm. Is James Cook going to step up? We haven't seen much from, is, is from Dawson Knox even. Dawson Knox, yeah. another – I don't – what – he, he didn't have a catch in the first game, right? Or mm-hmm. one. He had one. Yeah. yeah. So we haven't yards. even seen really like <laughs> – only thing we've really saw is Steph Diggs, <laughs> him and Josh. Right. That's been the only thing that we kind of saw the first couple of games. Yeah, Gabe got the right. first touchdown in L.A. or whatever, but he missed this game. It's been – the Allen Dig show, the first couple of games. Yeah. I, I think there's still room for this team to get better, and that yeah. and that's kind of so it sounds crazy. It sounds yeah, crazy. Right. They I'll use a player this, like though, Reggie too. Gilliam, yeah, against <laughs> right. the Titans. Reggie there is no touchdown. And Reggie Gilliam were the secret weapons this week. <laughs> I mean, are you Wait, who put money down on Reggie Gilliam to right. score a touchdown? There's guys. On, they did. <laughs> oh, they it was did. Plus seven thousand. <laughs> plus seven thousand for his first NFL TD, oh and all his buddy, God. the whole crew put in on right, him. Yeah. <laughs> they he had video when he got it. It was crazy. Oh my God. So stuff like that happens. Here's and here's what I my thoughts about it. Yes, it is very difficult to go four months and play at the level they're playing and play your right. absolute best. But if they are able to go into health, the health of the team is mm-hmm. really the only thing that matters because you and I know – Tell, put your words to this. When you've been there for three years, 2020, 2021, and now 2022, and 2019 as well, you go yeah. into the playoff game, they've been there for three full seasons and now yeah. this one. You get to the point where let's get to let's get to the playoff. Let's get to the playoffs again. Let's go. I want to want to make amends for 13 seconds. I want to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I want a shot at those guys. But we got like five games left in the regular season, right? right? And you're getting there. What's it mean? All right, say you get healthy at the end of the season. All right, so you finally in. Explain the attitude difference in the locker room when it's like, okay, here we are. It's playoffs. It's easy to play your best when you've been waiting on it for so long. Yeah, yeah. You get there at that the time. Pr- the a, whole building turns Yeah, on. the whole building. It, it, you can tell when you walk in. It's a whole different vibe. Yeah. whole different vibe from all the players like, okay, it's time to turn it up another level. Guys will be – guys will get extra reps. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good you've been playing. You right? gotta, we're going to play you better. Got, we got to play better. Yeah. yeah. Von Miller's like, you know what? I got two sacks the first game. Now I need three. Mm-hmm. I need four. You know, Phillips, all these guys. I need – Jordan Poirier, I need a, I need a couple of more interceptions. I, all the guys, when it comes to that point, is like, we got to turn it up. We got to turn it up. No matter what we did early in the season or whatever, this is time for it to begin right here right now and hey look i've said this before brandon bean and sean mcdermott they deserve keys to the city <laughs> for what they have done around here they you look at these two guys and the players that they have brought in, they all these players have fit right in last year had this past year uh after training camp this year had to be the toughest decision to yeah. let guys go yeah because they brought in a, a bunch of great uh group of guys 
that know the system, that play the system well throughout the entire um, preseason, and they had to let them go. Mm-hmm. And when you have that opportunity and when you have those type of players and those two guys running things, along with Leslie Frazier, you have to succeed. And these guys want to succeed. And it's not only just for themselves. It's for Bills Mafia. It's for Bills fans all over the world. They, they're ready. I know it's only week three that we're going into, but <laughs> it's it's a long season. It's long. It's a long season. <laughs> it's four more months. It's, yeah, it's four more months. But uh, man, I, I think I think for us, sure there may be some times where we might be a little down or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to last long. I don't think yeah. it's going to last That's long. Good. I think these guys know if, even if we lose a game. Monday's going to be the most important day. Have yeah. Tuesday off, back to work Wednesday. I'll, say, yeah, I'll say this, too. We, and we spoke about this. Um, teams like this one, and there's not that many of them around, um, where you got a Vaughn Miller on one side and a Josh on the other and Steph right. Diggs, and, you know, you got these guys. Um, where when you go through those low spots, yeah. the truly – the really great ones, that's when they kind of flex and they say, you know, we ain't playing that good. <laughs> right. Follow me. <laughs> yeah. you gotta watch me. Yeah. You play like I play. Yeah. You know, that, that when that one great player, like Josh has done it for this team, mm-hmm. yeah. when that one great player says, guys, this ain't good enough. You yeah. come in here, join me. Let's go. Yeah. Do what I do. Yeah. And that great players like that are the mm-hmm. guys who get you through those yawners yeah. where you, you, you yawned your way through the week and you show up and the other team's <laughs> like, this is their Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Right. And you <laughs> right. got you got to find a way, right? right? When those guys are really jacked up. Mm-hmm. Um, Von Miller's a kind of guy, and and Josh has become that kind of guy. Steph is that kind of guy, yeah. where they can say, "All right, now it's all right. We ain't gonna, we ain't losing this." Right. And yeah. the Bills are. We know they're three and ten, but we, they're not winning. Yeah. The they ain't winning this game. <laughs> they ain't they winning this exactly. They're going right. four and ten. Exactly. Right. That's right. what I was gonna say. The Bills are gonna face a lot of teams this year. Who we don't know who the teams are gonna be, but there's gonna be some on their schedule that aren't playing as well and are gonna say, "We have nothing to lose Absolutely. against." The best right. team in the NFL, Chicago, so we're gonna Detroit. we're gonna throw the kitchen sink at the Bills and and see what they do. And the Bills have to remain steadfast through it all and and trust what they have and their antics and their coordinators and Josh Allen to be able to get through it because yeah. you're gonna face some teams like like the Jacksonville Jaguars of last year. That That's game, right. oh, the one game, yeah, the one right. game that That's right. cost us a home field advantage. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So and, it, I, and to get off. It happened to us a couple of times. Sure. I think at the end of the season, maybe playing the Colts or somebody who didn't have right, nothing to lose. Right, We and dropped then, a game. Yeah. Uh, we got a game in, I think, in 19. We were like 14-2 and two or 14-1 and one and drop a game to the Washington Redskins like two years before they won the suit. You know what I mean? When yeah. they were just kind of getting it together. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of games. Yeah. So – they're going to be out there, yep. and that's it's a challenge. But it's a very different kind of challenge, and you don't build your team to conquer those challenges. Right. You build your team to to win the big one against a really good team. You, it's hard to build a team that will prepare well against an inferior opponent. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. Sometimes they go hand in hand, but not always. Yeah, I'm I'm glad on I'm glad on this side with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are glad, too. All right, Thurman, thank you so much for taking the time to be on set with us. Relive this past week's win and look ahead to week three against the Miami Dolphins. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we are going to air some of Ken Dorsey's media availability. He's talking to the media right now, so don't go anywhere. On One Bills Live, we're presented by Clyde Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio.
at Wall Eye Care for their LASIK and Lager event on Tuesday, October 4th. From 5 to 7 p.m. at Highmark Stadium, attendees will receive exclusive giveaways, refreshments, and get the chance to have all their LASIK questions answered by the official ophthalmologist of the Buffalo Bills. All right, Ken Dorsey is addressing the media right now via Zoom, so we're going to go over to Ken and hear what he has to say ahead of the Dolphins game on Sunday afternoon. What challenges do they present with him and Holland on the back end and what they're able to do up front? Yeah, I mean, obviously they do a great job in, in uh, you know, creating havoc with uh, their scheme and, um, you know, doing things to kind of uh, affect you both run and pass, uh, just schematically trying to um, use use different packages and and, uh, and different looks and, and different pressures and, and those types of things. So um, they do a really good job uh, matching, you know, scheme and personnel. Uh, they really don't have a lot of people that they ask to do things that, uh, uh, isn't a strength of theirs. They do a great job in, in you know, putting people in positions of, of what they do well and, and maximizing those things that make it tough on offenses. I uh, spent a few minutes with Jake Kumaro, uh before roster cutdowns, and I asked him, you know, it's just, it's this again, right? Like, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. You've been fighting for a roster spot for basically your whole career. And he was unflappable. It was like it didn't even phase him. Is that what you guys see in the room every day? Because to, to get thrown out there in that big spot, I think it was close to 80% mm -hmm. of the snaps on Monday Night Football. I mean, so, some guys wouldn't be ready for that, but it seemed like he didn't just miss a beat. No, yeah, and Jake's Jake's awesome. You know, he, he really doesn't miss a beat. And as a veteran guy, he's got obviously came here with some really good experience um, in the league already in, in some big-time games and everything. So I think he kind of had that confidence of already knowing, you know, he could do it. It just took the, the time to – pick things up, learn the offense and, and become comfortable in what we were doing. So um, he's just got that personality where, where nothing really phases him. He just goes out and works every day and uh, gives it everything he's got in terms of preparation, the physical aspect of it, um, just laying it on the line for his teammates. And uh, I think it, it was exciting to see him get out there and, and really kind of take advantage of those opportunities. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. No problem. Dorsey Dines, Mookie Hawkins, Waffle Sports Today. How's it going, Coach? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. 72 points in the first two games is awesome. Um, how much did you have to um, alter certain packages without having uh, Gabe Davis available uh, Monday night? Yeah, I think that was obviously some, some things that some last-minute adjustments we had to make to move guys around and, and get guys in uh, positions where uh, we felt like they could be, uh, be successful. And, and really kind of help us. Um, that, that was definitely a factor for us. But also, you know, we, we've got a lot of faith in, in those guys who kind of stepped in and played for us. I mean, they're, they're here for a reason. They, that's, a, that's a good deep room for us. And, and uh, they provide a lot of value for us and a lot of ability to make plays and, and, and do a lot of good things in and of their own right. Um, so we felt pretty comfortable with, uh, with those guys being able to step in as much as we miss Gabe and, and what he brings to the table and what he does for us. Um, we, we felt good about those guys being able to plug in and, and, uh, and pick up and, and, and uh, carry that weight. No doubt, Coach. And um, the pass game, it, it scores so quickly, you know, so often. Do, I mean, I know it's still early, but do you often find yourself getting caught up in if it's not broke, don't fix it moments in reference to, um, you know, keep, keep if it's not broke, don't fix it with the pass game other than blending and uh, tempo with the run? 
Uh, I mean, I think like, at the end of the day, every game is going to be different. Every game is going to be dictated off based on the flow of the game and how things are going. Um, and, and that's that's our focus. You know, our focus is, OK, what's the best way to help us win this football game? And, and at the end of the day, that's what we're going to do. No doubt, Coach. Good luck this week. Thank you. Hey, Ken, Adam Bedini. Um, hey, yeah. Hi, how are you? All right. All right, so I, I, I realize we're just two games in, but that's a little bit of hindsight anyway, right? And I know you, you've been asked this question, and we talked about this during training camp, but looking back on it through the success you've had through two games, how much is the foundation of the relationship that you and Josh have had and your familiarity with him and, and this offense kind of laid the foundation? I know you put your own stamp on it and continue to, but, but how much has that been uh, a plus in terms of what fans have seen on the field? No, I think it's a, a, a huge plus for us to be able to just kind of keep that continuity. And then every, any, any tweaks and adjustments are all within the realm of the system. It's not like you're bringing in brand new terminology, brand new system or anything like that. It's, it's all within the realm of, uh, uh, for the most part, what these guys have done in the past and previous years and, and those types of things. So um, it's, it's been a great advantage for us to really kind of pick up where, you know, we've, we've left off in the past, not only obviously with Josh, but with, with all those guys, with the guys up front and the job they're doing in pass protection and blocking um, with the receivers and, and, uh, and them being on the same page with Josh and the backs as well. So, uh, and obviously uh, Dawson and the tight end. So I think that that's a big aspect of it. The, the relationship with Josh, that communication where he's comfortable enough to communicate anything with me and me with him. Uh, all that is, is something that, You've got to earn that trust, but I really feel like over the years, we've been able to earn that through our, our communication throughout that time. Thank you, Ken. No problem. Hey, Ken. Um, I know we've talked a lot about like Mitch Morse and what he means to that offensive line and all that, but when he went out in the game, obviously Greg came in and then Mitch was able to come back and it kind of like seemed like the offense got clicking again, you know, when he was back in there, mm -hmm. just... What does him being there, like his role and how important he is to Josh and the line communicating, um, how important is he out there? Yeah, he's, I mean, uh, anytime you've got that guy in the, the center of the line who's got the experience that he does and can communicate and, and get everybody kind of going in the same direction as he does, it's very beneficial to you. And obviously, um, you know, we've got guys to, to be able to plug in if, if something happens that we've got a lot of faith in and, and, uh, and really feel like we can, uh, not miss a beat with those guys in there, but obviously, you know, Mitch, his, his experience and, and what he's done in this offense is, is something that's a, a big comfort level. I think Josh trusts him a, a tremendous amount. He's seen a lot of different things for uh, within the system uh, and, and understands our adjustments. And if it's an unscouted look, it's, it's looks that uh, a lot of times he's potentially seen in the past within, uh, within our system and, and kind of knows those adjustments. And then uh, Reggie Gilliam obviously had a big touchdown catch. I'm curious, mm -hmm. is it is it a good day when you get the fullback involved to that amount? Is it <laughs> you get excited about that? Like, what, what, what is that fun for you? I don't know. No, it's great. Anytime, uh, anytime we get Reg involved, I'm I'm all in on it. <laughs> you know, he yeah. uh, obviously he does a great job for us. He works his tail off. He's unselfish. He does everything that that uh, that you could possibly ask a player to do. Uh, at his position, especially. And, and uh, he's been great, you know, and he just doesn't, doesn't blink, doesn't, doesn't miss a beat. Um, so it was, it was really great to see that, uh, that execution. And then obviously him just making a play too, 
um, you know, making, making a guy miss and, and, and taking it. So uh, that was huge for us, really got us going in a, in a critical part of the game. And, and uh, obviously just grateful he's here. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ken, um, this is a little off the wall, but when you look at either a big win or a big loss, what are some ways those feel different as a coach than as a player? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, that's a great question because as a player, sometimes there's that, that elongated time of kind of thinking about it as a coach, you're really moving on to the next opponent that night, you know, and, and really trying to, um, uh, turn the page, get the corrections made, and then start getting going on, on, uh, uh, game planning and all that stuff for the next opponent. So, uh, you really are, are first to turn the page pretty quick, which you preach to your players as well. And, and, uh, um, I, I think that's the important thing is we, we really try to focus on, okay, no matter what role you're in, whether you're a, a player coach, whatever it might be is, all right, last week happened, uh, uh, end of Monday, you know, or, or I guess this week, Tuesday, you know, just hey, turn the page and now we're, we're focused on the next team. And I think that's the mentality you got to take. You can't look backwards. You can't look forward. You got to focus on the now. And I think that that's really kind of uh, uh, been our focus. And I think that that helps me out a lot whether uh, in, in my position. When in both of those cases, you're investing so, so much into this, but the exact things you can control are a little bit different. What's it like to make that transition from player to coach and handling all that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a very different in terms of, you know, as a as a player, obviously you give your input and your your ideas and stuff, but you know, you're 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 just going out and executing executing the game plan as a coach, trying to put together that game plan to put those guys in the right spots. But that's where I think again the communication between everybody is is so critical, and and the ability to adjust and make adjustments, whether it's the course of a season, the course of a game. Uh, is critical, not, not only through what you're seeing, but through that communication that you're getting from those guys. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All righty. That was Ken Dorsey as he spoke to the media this afternoon. I think uh, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, whenever those two talk to Ken Dorsey and Leslie Frazier, it's become one of my favorite days to listen to these guys because they're so insightful and really lets you peek behind the curtain of what goes on, um, whether it's turning the page to the next game or kind of explaining why they did what they did uh, the game before. So love hearing from those two and sounds like they have a, a pretty good handle on everything thing as they head into week three against the Miami Dolphins. We're going to take a break here, but when we come back, we're going to wrap things up here from One Bills Live. We're presented by Collida Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. Closing things out here on a Wednesday afternoon on One Bills Live. Maddie Glab and Steve Tasker coming to you. We're going to round out the tweet sheet. What is the engine of the Bills in 2022 and why? I believe we have one more to read off. It's from Steve. He says, it will always be number 17, but this is the deepest and most complete team with big play capabilities on both sides of the ball that we ever had. Do you agree with that? I do. Uh, both sides of the ball. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's a Super Bowl caliber team. I've said that it's been a Super Bowl level team for three years. This one is is significantly better on both sides of the ball and deeper on both sides of the ball. Um, they have yet to show 
a weakness anywhere on their roster and on their team. Even their depth has been tested and it's, it's shown up big. Um, yeah, they're this team is built to go deep in the playoffs. And, you know, the only thing that keeps you out of it this year, you think, is like a, ba a bad bounce of the ball or something mm -hmm. like that. This team is built for both sides of the ball, and they're playing like it. Even their depth that's been tested a little bit so far, they're really good, and they're playing well. So the Dolphins know it. Uh, the Bills, it's the challenge now for the Bills is to play like like there's no tomorrow every week. Yeah, I think the challenge is going to be can can they be consistent throughout the season regardless of who is on the field, regardless of the injuries that they're dealing with. We might deal with that some more um, in week three against the Dolphins. I mean, we dealt with that against Tennessee Titans without Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, and Gabe Davis. We'll see what the diagnosis here is for some of these guys as we move on in the week. We'll get some injury reports and updates after practices the next couple days, so it'll be good to see who Who's limited, who's practicing, who's held out, and, and how that could affect um, availability for Sunday afternoon. But, yeah, if this is how you start the season, consistency is going to be key because, like we talked about, it's important to get hot at the right time. And, and they're hot right now. Can they keep it consistent? Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, fun game coming up. I think we've kind of turned the page on the Monday night win over Tennessee. Yep. Tomorrow we'll kind of focus on all. It'll be all full speed ahead into the Sunday 1 o'clock in Miami. All right, we're wrapping things up here tomorrow's show. Field Yates, Armando Salguero, and possibly a player after practice. We'll see you all tomorrow here.